We look this morning at Acts chapter 17, beginning with verse 16. It's our privilege to hear the very words of God. It says, Now, now while Paul was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him as he saw that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. Some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers also conversed with him. And some said, what does this babbler wish to say? Others said, he seems to be a, a preacher of foreign divinities because he was preaching about Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and they brought him to the Areopagus saying, May we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting. For you bring some strange things to our ears. We wish to know therefore what these things mean. Now all the Athenians and all the foreigners who lived there would spend their time in nothing except telling and hearing of something new. So Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you, that the God who made the world and everything in it, being the Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live all over the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and boundaries of their dwelling places, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward Him and find Him. Yet, He is actually not far off from each one of us. For in Him we live and move and have our being. Even as some of your own poets have said, for we indeed are His offspring. Being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by art or the imagination of man. The times of ignorance, before they knew, the times of ignorance God overlooked, but now He commands all people everywhere to repent because He has fixed a day on which He will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom He has appointed. And this is He who He has given assurance to by raising Him from the dead. Now when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, but others said, we will hear you again about this. So Paul went out of their midst, but some men joined him and believed, among whom were also Dionysius the Areopagite and a woman named Demarius and others with them. May the Lord bless and use his word in our lives today. All right, anyone ever say to you, 
go play outside? Have you ever said that to somebody else? Go play outside? Now, there's some really good reasons why, why my parents maybe said that to me, maybe that you've said that to somebody else. Well, one of those reasons why we, we say that is, is because, listen, just mix it up. Go do something else. Another reason we say sometimes go play outside is go find some people. Get out of your room. Get, get, get out of this space. Go interact with some people. Go play outside. You'll get some exercise far more likely outside. Go play outside. You'll get some vitamin D. It's good for you. Go play outside and give me a break. Uh, I, I don't know if that last one was there, but I, I think it's, 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 I think maybe at least once with my parents that was there one time, at least one time. Give me a break. Go play outside. Now, here's the thing. I don't know that there was ever a single time that I ever wanted to do that. But I'm good. I'm comfy. I like this chair. I like what's on TV right now. Air conditioner's running just great. I don't want to go outside. So I don't know if there were hardly any times that I jumped at the assignment, go outside and play. But I also got to tell you, I don't know that there was too many times that I didn't regret going outside to play. It was good. It was good as a change of pace. It was good as a place of exercise. You did run into people. You, you did enjoy exerting yourself out there. It was good to get out of the house. Go play outside. Well, we've talked a little bit as we came into church today. Boy, the weather is nice. I don't even mind being outside. And the whole reason that I bring this up is because I think that if Jesus were to speak a word to the church of 2023, one of the things that he may say as much as he would say anything else is, church, go play outside. Now, now, hear what I mean by that. I, I may not necessarily mean the emphasis on play, but I think that one of the things that Jesus would say to you is, get out of this building. Go share hope outside of this place. Let's not stay locked up inside of the house. Go outside. In fact, one of the things that we're going to look at in this passage of Scripture, the heart of what we're looking at in this passage of Scripture, is the outsideness of it. In fact, this whole passage unfolds in this place called the Areopagus, which is the top of a hill where there was an outside forum where people would come. It is the outside of the outside of the outside. And we're going to see how the gospel is spoken, proclaimed, outside of church. And that's the challenge that we have. In fact, as I was kind of reviewing so many of the messages that we've already looked at, so many of the passages of Scripture that we've looked at in terms of days of hope, almost every single one of them have been outside. So let's talk about that together. We're looking here at Acts chapter 17 this second half of the chapter. And so as we think about go play outside, one of the things that I want you to know is that sharing hope outside the church is needed. 
Sharing hope outside of the church is needed. Now, what we see is that Paul has a really consistent pattern of how he does ministry. He's good at what he does. But primarily, the pattern that he has been living on, really since he became a proclaimer of the gospel, is that he goes to a town, he goes to a community, he goes to a village, he goes to a city, and he finds a place of worship. He finds the place of worship that is closest to his own experience, the Jewish synagogue. And he goes into that synagogue, and, and it, before too long, he gets to take a turn at reading Scripture. And then he reads the Scripture and says, that's Jesus. The thing that we just read, that's Jesus. Jesus is the thing that you've been waiting for. He is the hope. He is the Savior. He, he is the, the Messiah that you've been looking for. And he goes to these synagogues, and he proclaims Jesus inside the house. Of worship. In fact, as you take a look at almost the entire book of Acts, that's the pattern. Sometimes it doesn't go great. Sometimes they don't appreciate Paul and the words that he speaks. And so what we find here in Acts chapter 17, there, there's actually been a disruption of the pattern uh, because he was in one city and he went to the synagogue and began to proclaim and some people began to believe and other people got angry and they drove him out, and they threatened to kill him, and the church had to sneak him out in the middle of the night. So he went to the next city, and he was doing the exact same thing, and the people from the first city came to find him and had to chase him out again. And so really, Paul in this moment is literally running for his life. He has been kicked out of one city after another, and it tells us that he is in Athens waiting for the rest of his team to join him. But he is in Athens ahead of everybody else because they had to get him out quickly. And so he's waiting. He's waiting. He's got time on his hands. And as he sits there in Athens, he goes to the synagogue and he goes to the marketplace. But there's something about the life of the marketplace in Athens that catches his attention. And in fact, what we see here is the things that he sees outside of the church break his heart. In fact, it says the things that he sees, the Spirit provokes his heart. He sees an entire community far from God. He sees an entire community that is covered with idols, an idol at every single corner, an object of worship at every single corner. He sees an entire population that is distant from the things of God, facing the wrong direction, and moving away from truth. And he breaks his heart. These are the things that we are more likely to see outside of church than we are inside of church. I'm not saying inside of church is perfect. I'm not saying there isn't lostness inside of church. But it's while he was in the marketplace, the things that he saw, that he provoked his heart. He was reminded that it's religious and irreligious people that need to know 
about Jesus. What do you see when you get outside of church? What is it that you see beyond the walls of this building? What is it that you see beyond the the, the Sunday school class that you are a part of? What do you see? One of the things that I'll tell you that we see is that we see a crowd of people who don't know Jesus. We see a crowd of people who, who don't know Jesus. I, I was looking up some of these statistics. It tells us, now this is, just follow along for a moment. If you are over 35, I won't ask you to raise your hand, but if you are over 35, 70% of people over 35 today remember going to church when they were a kid. Okay? 35 and up, over 70%. Yeah, we went to church on a regular basis growing up. Today, if you are younger than 35, 58% of them remember going to church on a regular basis when they were younger. And overall today, 31% of our population goes to church on a regular basis. So if we're waiting for people to walk in those doors before they hear about Jesus, they may never come in. I mean, we're praying that they do. We work on the facility. We work on our ministry here as a church to be as effective as we can be to tell people about Jesus. But let me tell you that the vast majority of people who need to know about Jesus are outside of these walls. And so for that reason, for that reason, you need to carry hope home with you today. For that reason, you've got to take this message, this hope, this word of Jesus, you've got to carry it out of this building because that's where the people are. You've got to take it home. You've got to take it to work. You've got to take it to school. You've got to take it to your neighborhood. You've got to take it to your friend group. You've got to take it to your family. If it's going to get to them, you've got to take it to them. Because they're not coming here like they used to. That's reality. That's the calling. And so one of the things is it is great. And we're kind of committed to having is an effective and a meaningful church that we possibly can have. The mic works most of the time. We work really hard at this stuff. Because we want this place to be as effective as it can be. But the world is going to be changed out there. Because you take hope with you wherever you go. Sharing hope outside of the church is needed. It's critical. It's exclusive. It's the only way that it's going to happen. So Paul, in this passage of Scripture, sees that need. It's not just the synagogue that needs to hear about it, but it's the marketplace. It's the philosophers. 
It's everybody else. They've got to hear about it. The, the second thing that I want you to see is that sharing hope outside of the church, well, it's challenging. It's challenging. It's not the same as here. You know, I can just read a passage of Scripture and you all say, Amen. I can make a simple statement like some of our hymns and some of our, 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 our words this morning were, and you're like, yes, for sure, amen, correct. Out there, it's not, it's not quite as easy. Out there, it's not quite as simple. What we find out is that out there, the gospel bumps into other voices. And here... We, we, we make simple statements of truth and nearly everybody else in the room nods their head and agrees. Out there, we speak some of those same words of truth and we, we got a lot of, yeah, but what about, or no, I don't think so, or actually this is what I believe. It's, it's more challenging out there than it is in here. In fact, I think one of our difficulties that we face is that the church has spent so much time in here, we've forgotten how to speak out there. But here's the good news I have for you. The good news of Jesus stands strong and right next to any other voice that exists. Now, we're just not used to always putting the voice of Jesus next to one of these other voices. And so when we do, and we, 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 we put the, the words of Jesus next to this other voice, we're like, whoa, I don't know what to do. They talked back. It's okay. Jesus is right and true, eternal, alive, risen, coming again. It's okay. But it is challenging because out there we are going to bump into other voices. When Paul was there in Athens, you want to talk about some other voices. These philosophical schools that still exist today, he was going up against these big dogs. He was going up against an entire culture. I said, we need one more idea. We need one more idea because there is no single right idea. He was going up against something completely foreign. But he had confidence that I can put the name, the story, and the truth of Jesus any place. And it will ring true. It's challenging when we take hope outside of the church. Because when we take hope outside of the church, it's going to be opposed. Not only is it going to be contrasted by some other voices, not only is it going to bump into some other voices, but it's going to be opposed by other voices. Some folks are going to be super intentional about saying, no, that's not true. Hey, in fact, sometimes when we put the name of Jesus and we share hope out there outside of the walls, sometimes we're going to be laughed at. Sometimes we're going to be mocked. Sometimes with a mean spirit. 
Sometimes just people are being funny. Sometimes people just want to change the topic. Some people just want to change the tone. But laughter is going to come. It won't be the first time. And it won't be the last time. Paul is speaking in the synagogues. He's speaking in the marketplace. And he's getting some attention. And the response is, what is this babbler saying? I don't know exactly what they mean by babbler, but it ain't nice. I think the most direct translation that I can give you is, who is this crazy talker? Who is this person that's not making any sense? What kind of noise is this person making that's not even worth listening to? You ever come across somebody, maybe, maybe somebody that... that I don't know, you, you run into them in a strange place and they're just kind of talking to themselves and they're just kind of mumbling and you're just kind of like, ooh, I don't know. You don't step in and say, ooh, I'd like to have a conversation with you. Well, what do you think about 18th century enlightenment? No, you, you try to go away because a conversation with that person is not worth it. They're, they're a babbler. And so they, they, they say to Paul, this guy is a babbler. It's crazy talk. He's out of his mind. He is not worth listening to. That happens when we share hope outside of the church. We run, we bump into other voices, we find opposition. And we create curiosity. We create curiosity. Did, did you look at the passage of Scripture? Here's what happened. This guy's a babbler. This guy's not making any sense. This guy's out of his head. Hey, can we set up an appointment for you to come and speak to us and explain to this more? They're trying to have it both ways. This guy's crazy. Uh, we'd really like to be able to print some tickets and invite our friends and put you at the biggest place that we can put you so that you can fully explain what it is that you're saying. Both of those things happen, sometimes from the very same people. Again, I think sometimes there is a defense mechanism that blows truth off. There's a defense mechanism that makes a joke. You, you ever been around a person who just makes jokes when things are uncomfortable? Well, if you've ever been around me, you have. <laughs> have you ever been that person? There, there, there are these things that people just kind of push it aside. They, they, they try to find a way to swipe it aside. But at the same side, time, inside of their heart, there is a stirring. There is a hunger. There is a curiosity. Let me tell you, there are many people that you know that want to know more about what it is that you believe and that you've built your life on. There are many people that you know that want to know what it is that you believe and what it is that you've built your life on and where you find the hope that you have. They may have even rolled your eyes at you sometimes, their eyes at you sometimes. But behind that, deeper than that, there's a curiosity. This guy's a babbler. Can we set up a time next Tuesday that we're all going to come and listen to you explain these things? Sharing hope outside of the church is challenging. And I would also tell you that sharing hope outside of the church 
is different than it is inside of the church. I think there's a couple things that I see in the way that Paul speaks to the folks there on the Areopagus. One of the things that I see there is notice his, his tone. Now notice his voice. Now this is really kind of surprising. You know the first thing that Paul does when he speaks to this crowd of idolaters? He compliments them. He compliments them. He says, I can tell it is clear that you are really religious. It's clear because of all of these idols. Now listen, there is one approach that you can go to that Paul stands up there and says, all of these idols, they're terrible, they're awful. All of these idols are the reason you all are going to hell. It's approach A. Paul takes approach B. And when we say B, we mean be nice. He says, I can tell that you are very religious. He compliments them. He doesn't compliment them on their idolatry, but he compliments and he connects with them on what is beneath that idolatry. You are a people of spiritual hunger who want to know the things of God. Even if they are dead wrong, Paul doesn't start by punching them in the nose. He finds a connecting point. He says, man, you guys really want to know God, don't you? You have invested a lot of time, a lot of thought, a lot of money, a lot of architecture into this idea of knowing God. He has a different voice. He has a different tone. He uses different tools. In this case, he doesn't say, back in Deuteronomy, because that's what he would have said in the synagogue. But here he says, man, I've been walking around your city, and I see all of these idols. I even found one. that This was my favorite one that I saw. There was one that said, dedicated to the unknown God. Now again, you have the opportunity here to make fun. You have so many idols, you just said, here's one in case we forgot one. But Paul doesn't say, he says, you have an idol to the God that you don't know yet. Let me tell you about them. I found them. I know them. And you can know them. And he finds a connecting point. And he speaks to them out of their lives, out of their experience. And then he even talks to them out of the top 40. He says, as your poet says. And he quotes a familiar tune, a familiar piece of poetry and says, listen, and that poet doesn't know God, but that poet speaks a truth that is a universal truth. And he says, that thing that that poet was talking about, that thing that poet was hungering for, he says, let me tell you how that connects to the one true God. He uses different tools than we use sometimes inside of church. He uses different communication 
Paul ties it all together. He says, listen, there is one source for all of life. He created all nations. He, he, and he begins to, to move from creation to the point of Jesus. I love what he says. He says he has made it known so that you could see him, so that you could know him, so that you could find your way toward him. And the truth is he's not really that far away. And then he speaks clearly. He says, this ultimate understanding of God and knowing God is in Jesus, who's the one who holds the entire universe together and who has been resurrected from the dead. Now that was the showstopper moment. For these intellectuals, that study all of life. The one place where they really had a hard time going a step further was the moment where he talked about resurrection from the dead. Now, here's one of the things that, that I would say to us. We need to speak outside of these walls. We need to use a different tone, a different voice. We need to connect. We need to use different tools. But we never back off from the truth. We, we never back off from what makes Jesus, Jesus, the story, the story. In this passage, Paul calls them to repent and to believe on Jesus, who is the resurrected one. That's, that's our message. That doesn't change. But our goal is to make sure that message is heard. And there's a different result. It's kind of interesting. I love this passage of Scripture because I love the way that Paul speaks. I love the way that he connects. I love the way that he, he takes this pagan stuff and says, let me use this pagan stuff to point you to Jesus. I love it. But there are some folks that say that this is Paul's worst sermon ever. Because they look at it and say, but not a lot of people got saved at the end of it. In fact, they look at it and say, but, but we don't have a book of the Bible named Athenians. Because there, there's no evidence that a church was founded in this place. Listen, sometimes when we speak outside of the walls, we don't know what's going to happen. And in fact, it tells us that when he began to speak again about the resurrection, that they scoffed and they blew him off. At least some people did. And that's going to be what happens. But there's another group of people there that said, I don't know. I want to think about this some more. I want to hear more about this. I want you to know that when you share the story of Jesus, there are going to be some people who may not say yes in that moment. But it's going to stick with them. And they're going to keep thinking about it. And the Spirit of God is going to be at work in their life. And then I'm going to tell you that there are going to be some people who say yes and who believe. And at the end of this chapter, we have the names of two people who believe, and then it tells us, and many others. I don't know what's going to happen when you share the story of Jesus. Well, I kind of do. 
Some people are going to walk away. Some people are going to think about it some more. And some people are going to say yes. That's okay. That's what we do. Some people are going to say no. Some people are going to think about it some more. And some people are going to say yes. So what's the now what for us? The now what for us is that we continue to challenge you to pray for some people who need to know Jesus. We're reminded by the balls that we see as we come in, write somebody's name on there, and I'm praying for this person. Maybe you're praying for the same person every single week. Maybe it's a different person that you saw this week. Maybe it's someone that God put on your heart this week. But I'm praying for this person to, to come to know Jesus. And then we, we have the, the, the blue balls that remind us that this is somebody that I'm inviting to church. I'm inviting into a community that is built on Jesus, the proclaiming of Jesus. And I'm inviting them into a good, strong, healthy church because it's a good place. It, it grows my life, and I believe it'll grow their life. And so... You're inviting somebody to come into this place, to be encouraged and pointed to Jesus like you have been this morning. But this morning, we're also talking about those green balls where you get to share the story of Jesus with somebody out there. And out there is where they are. Out there is where they live. Out there is where they are right now. And it may be that until they find Jesus, they're not going to come in here. And so I want to challenge you with that assignment. I want to let you know you can do this. I want you to know that there are people who are waiting for you to do this. To share Jesus.